0: start into um, the kind of the main part of what I wanted to talk about I I wanted to tell you about two things that um, I've seen in work in the last couple of weeks Um, about a couple of weeks ago I went up to a conference in near Westminster and it was about um, how you get those kind of hard to reach young people in education and employment and stuff like that and uh, there was a lot of kind of um, I think what you'd call it is it was the great and the good, there were kind of chief executives of that you know, big boss of this uh, there was the guardian education writer and there were some MPs and stuff like that so all a bit kind of stuffed shirt in a way uh, but people who Care, I suppose about what happens to young people and there were three young people and it's really funny because you know you're having all this big conference about young people and we had three young people um, and I just thought I'd tell you about one of them because um, it was a very powerful story about the effect of a role model and what he said was um, I think he's probably about I don't know maybe 17 or 18 now and I'd say he was probably had a kind of Turkish background. And he just talked about how he started truanting from school at a very early age. And basically, he managed to get away with it. Nobody really managed to kind of draw him back in. And so that just went on when he went to senior school. It was exactly the same. And uh, it was a bit of a kind of a lad. And he talked about, you know, how he needed money like everybody else. And um, he got into drug dealing. And what he said was by about 15 he was earning about 150 to 200 pounds a day in dealing drugs. So a lot of money for a a kid of that age. Um, We get to GCSEs and uh, he took four GCSEs. They were the ones that didn't need any coursework because he hadn't been in school to do any. Um, And so that, that was kind of where he was up to when one day he saw what he described as a youngster dealing in drugs and he got this young kid kind of round the neck and said what the hell are you doing and the boy said well i'm doing what you're doing and he said at that moment he kind of had you know we'd talk if we were going to use kind of spiritual language we'd talk about a revelation wouldn't we but he had that kind of moment where kind of life stopped him and he thought i've got a younger brother and sister i don't want them doing this and at that moment, he stopped. He stopped dealing in drugs. He went back to school. Um, you know, he, he got exam, He got qualifications. And now he's working for a, a charity called Rathbones. It's a part-time youth worker, um, going back out onto the streets, working with kids, pretty much like himself. But you couldn't have, You know, it was so quiet in that conference. It was just great, and you thought that's just one of those wonderful stories isn't it Um, and you'd like so many there are so many young people out there that you would like that kind of thing to happen to that they're kind of arrested in their life and then um, twice a week I do what we call meet and greet and at the college the managers meet and greet two mornings a week which means we check their badges we say hello to them and you know, if they haven't got their badge, we kind of find out why not. And I really like it because I like meeting the, the students. And I think it was a couple of days after this conference, um, this lad walked past and I, I saw his t shirt and it said, I didn't mean to be a role model. And on the back it said, but I am. And I, the reason why I'm kind of talking about this is because I think we need to remember what kind of role models we are. And the bit, you know, the t-shirt that said, I didn't mean to be a role model, but I am. How true is that? You know, we we do whatever, we may not think about it, but there are people who are looking at us and seeing what we do. Um, And hopefully, they're good things. (laughs) So, as you already know, we're going to look at at goodness. And um, you need one of, it's one of those days when you're going to need to go... (laughs) Through the Bible if you've got one, all right. Um, I've got some of the references to read out if not. Um, and what I've, one of the first things that I wanted to talk about is what is goodness as opposed to kindness? Because it all kind of looks the same. And obviously one of the things that we've tried to put in all of this sort of teaching about the fruits of the spirit is that it's kind of one fruit isn't it? It's one fruit. We need to be well-rounded, have all the fruits, but we're looking at particular ones to to try and draw some some things out. So, um, you know, people say, oh, that was a good film. Um, I had a good meal. I had a good time. She's a good person. You know, what kind of good or goodness are we going to kind of think about? And I suppose what I thought I'd do first is partly try and compare it to kind of other words and kind of get a um, almost a kind of, not a back-to-front thing, but look at kindness. I've got a definition of kindness somewhere in here. Um, And then I've got some meanings, different meanings, and I've got a couple of examples of people in the Bible that were described as good. So the reference I found for kindness... Um, and remember we had that the other, the other week, didn't we? It's kind of pleasant and gracious, goodness of heart, acts of kindness. Okay, but here's some of the kind of explanations of goodness that I tracked down. So we could be saying that something was excellent, but without any moral. Like, so if I say it was a good book, I'm not saying that the book is moral, morally good. I'm just saying it was excellent. It was a good read. Um, But if we said he is a good man or she is a good woman, that does imply some kind of morality, doesn't it? Good can also mean it's the right thing. Good can also mean pleasant or pleasing. Tim, Tim smiled at this one. Good figs are ripe figs. Now, I can't stand figs. I just use as an example. When we say something is good, it's ripe, it's pleasing, it's attractive, ready to eat. <laughs> yes, but no figs are good figs. <laughs> and also, it's a kind of an absolute quality of character. So we think about with God, don't we? That God is good, He acts with goodness, and He's the source of all good, as shown throughout the Bible. And it was an interesting kind of reference in Amos 5 where there's a kind of a, a couple of words that are, are repeated where God is saying, Seek God and live, seek God and live, and kind of the third time it's seek good and live. So, you know, we can't separate out goodness from God. Um, and that's, I think, quite important in a way for us to remember because. There are a lot of good people outside these doors. Um, There's a lot of good people inside these doors. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought I'd check back (laughs) before you all think. I've written you all off. If we're going to reflect the goodness of God, then we have to have the goodness of God at work in us. So I'm not saying that somebody who isn't a Christian... Isn't able to do good things. But if we want to reflect the goodness of God, that's where we need the infilling of God and God's Holy Spirit at work in us. I found this wonderful statement. Well, you might not think it's wonderful. Virtue equipped for action, a bountiful propensity both to will and to do what is good. Intrinsic goodness producing a generosity and a godlike state or being. All right, so. Where did, that come from? Where did that come from? I'll have to double check.
1: <laughs>
0: it, I didn't write it. <laughs> I wish I could say I did, but that wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, I'll read it again. Virtue equipped for action, a bountiful propensity both to will and to do what is good, intrinsic goodness producing a generosity and a godlike state or being. I always, Liz, I, I, I don't know, I should always remember you saying once, we can afford to be generous. As Christians, we can afford to be generous. You know, that's the kind of the goodness. And I suppose what I wanted to say is, like peace, goodness is not wishy-washy. This is kind of strong stuff. And I found some good statements about goodness, okay? the one who does good is of God. That's 3 John 11. And, you know, that's, I put a note here about the, the goodness of God, the reflecting the goodness of God. We're told to cling to good. That's in Romans 12, verse 9. Luke says, good, well, goodness, sorry, Luke doesn't say this. I'm saying this. <laughs> but I've got, Luke's got a bit in here as well. Goodness enables you to do good to those who hate you. That's Luke six, verse twenty seven. Um, we're also told to do good. Galatians six, verse ten therefore, as we belong sorry, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And we are created in Christ for good works. And that's Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The two people that I've got as kind of examples, um, Barnabas, in Acts 11, um, he was described as a good man. Um, There's a couple of verses. Acts 11, I think it's 23 and twenty. Sorry, yeah, 23. That's where I have to double check. I've got my glasses on. Oh, yeah, sorry. So verse 22 of chapter 11, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, he was a good man. He was happy to see the progress of others. He was an encourager of others. And then I've got Dorcas, Acts 9, verse 36. She was described as full of good works and charitable deeds. And, uh, you know, when she died, they were all upset. And they were kind of, all the widows were talking to Jesus. And I thought, they probably weren't saying, she won't be here to sow. They were probably talking about her as a person and how they they would miss her. So there are just a couple of examples in the New Testament where... We see people described as good. So then I started off on another tangent, and I was thinking that, um, you know, one of the things I'd like to really encourage you in is the fact that fruit will grow. You know, we don't have to force it. Growing fruit is a natural kind of byproduct of us growing as Christians, um, and that led me to think about the right kind of growing conditions. Now some of you may know that we're growing vegetables and the ground in our garden is not what you'd call prime soil, it's clay like probably most of you have got, it's solid and to be honest I think, well we've both decided we haven't done enough preparation with the soil Um, The runner beans, disaster last year, nothing. Took some advice, so this year they said grow them first in little pots in a greenhouse and then transplant them out. So I had all these um, runner beans about this size and I got all the bean poles and I put them in the ground and I stood back and I thought, this is like a real vegetable plot, (laughs) you know, I've got it all there. But they've struggled. Um, They've been a bit you wouldn't say that they were thriving they're growing now and they you know they're doing this and there's the red flowers but they're not they haven't grown as much as i had thought they would and uh, yesterday when we were at the library i had another look in another vegetable book you know and it kind of says these are not as easy to grow as everybody says you've got to really prepare the soil and i think that's quite that's where we've not gone quite right So that made me think, well, okay, if we're going to be growing fruit of the Spirit, how can we make sure that we're in the best kind of conditions for those fruits to grow in our lives? So we need good soil. And uh, we all know the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 23 said... But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, if we had that kind of growth in our business, we would be being headhunted for the apprentice or something, wouldn't we? You know, that kind of growth everybody would be after. Um... I'd like that kind of growth in my life. Um, And so that's about hearing the word and understand it. So we've got to make sure that we're kind of feeding into ourselves God's word and asking the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. And that way, we'll make sure that we're in good soil. Now, what other key thing do you need for a plant to grow other than soil? Water, okay. And sun? Okay, I'll get to the sun bit in a minute. <laughs> okay, water. Um, I've got a couple of references here. John 20, verse 22, this is Jesus. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then this is one of my favorite references. Psalm 1, it talks about the person who meditates on the word, the law of the Lord, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Wow, makes me realize that I need to do more meditating on the word, so I can be somebody who um, yields the fruit in season, and I don't wither Uh, had a bit of a busy week this week at work and there was definitely one day when I was definitely withered but if we ask God to fill us afresh again and again with the Holy Spirit we'll know his life within us now the sun, you're right, warmth but you're thinking what reference is she going to use for warmth? well, I've got John 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That makes me feel very warm. And I thought about how the love of God melts our hearts. And we need that in our lives, don't we? We mustn't become hard-hearted. We must always stay soft-hearted. We did the clay, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, which is about being moldable. Um... And the last thing I put down was time. It was very exciting, actually, when we planted the beans in the pots and a couple of other things, put them in the greenhouse, and I think I'd had a busy few days, and I came back to the greenhouse about five days later, and they were there. You know, I hadn't done anything, but these little plants were all there, and it had just happened. Now, in our relationship with God, there's no quick fix Relationship, good relationships, good quality relationships need time, don't they? An investment. And we need to invest in our relationship with God if we're going to know this fruit growing in our lives. Now, the section I've got next is um, well, why should we? You know, why should we grow this fruit? Um, be very nice to have these characteristics, but what's the point of it? Well, I think we had a very kind of strong encouragement last week from Tim, didn't we, about seeking first the kingdom of God and everything else following on behind And, and focusing our energy in the right direction and not worrying allowing that focus on the good things to mean that we weed out the rubbish stuff. Um, But these are some good reasons why we should be allowing the fruit to grow. First of all, salvation. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that will lead sinners to repentance and salvation. Now, if the goodness of God will lead people to that, then surely the goodness of God at work in our lives will mean that we will have the ability to draw people towards salvation and repentance. And um, Carol's not here, but in a small group um, on Tuesday, we, we talked about what attracted us to Jesus. And we kind of talked about how we, in a sense, we all became Christians. Carol talked about that she thought Jesus was good. You know, that he, w- he was good and that goodness attracted her. What I spoke about was what I saw in other people. I couldn't. I came from a completely non-Christian upbringing, and I came across these Christians, and after a while, I thought I want what they've got. I couldn't have articulated what it was that they had, but I wanted it. (laughs) You know, I, I saw something, and often I used to think I did this all back to front. You know, I saw something in their lives, and basically, they told me that, you know, I had to become a Christian. I had to let God be Lord of my life. And in the end, after some struggle, I kind of decided that, okay, if that's the kind of deal, that's what I have to do. But I didn't understand about repentance. It wasn't until after that, when I kind of started out in my life as a Christian, that I began to understand that there were were things that I needed to repent of. But it was that attractiveness in somebody else's life that kind of woke me up. May be the truth of of God. So that's a very good reason for us to have goodness in our lives. The other is the role model. Um, people do. We all watch other people, don't we? We work. You know, we mix with people. We work with people. We notice people. We notice what they do, what they say, how they act, and that's no different. Any of us, Um, and we should want all those wonderful qualities of the Holy Spirit to be in us so that people can see and think, Wow, not because they're going to kind of put us up on a pedestal, although sometimes you know that sometimes people kind of say, Oh, you're so good at that, and that's your opportunity to say, Well, that's because God's done something in my life. Um, so I'm not talking about us being kind of placed, but we want qualities in us, don't we, that are attractive and make people think, what is it that they've got in their life, and I want some of that. Um, or they see us deal with something and think, that was I, I'm impressed with that, and that will draw them to us. The other reason why I thought we might want goodness is because I think goodness... In its kind of purest sense, is a rare quality. Anybody who works, um, no, it's probably not just limited to the workplace. Um, I see a lot of people who are out for number one, and in the job that I do, a lot of manoeuvring. So number one is kind of reflects well. You know, people will avoid owning up to making a mistake or will avoid certain things, because they don't think it's going to put them into a a good light. So there's all that kind of shifting and manoeuvring about. And, you know, they wouldn't be straight if you told... Do you know what I mean? There's nothing kind of straight about them. Um, And I don't know that they mean to be devious. I mean, I suspect some people do. But there are some people who are just kind of, you know, doing that, I was going to say ducking and diving. But, you know, they're trying to avoid things. Um... So goodness, a pure goodness, that's a rare quality, and therefore a very attractive quality. And so I thought that's one of the reasons why we ought to be asking the Holy Spirit to continually to grow that fruit in us so we can have that quality. And of course, we can't have that pure goodness unless actually it's the goodness that's coming from God, because that is the source of all the goodness. Um, and I think the purity um, when you come across somebody who's a good person we think about all those encounters that people had with Jesus they couldn't flannel with Jesus could they? there was a, a purity or a holiness about him that I think when people met him they knew that they couldn't hide and they couldn't act in a certain way because he saw into their hearts And we should it would be good if we had a kind of a holiness or a purity about us Um, because again, purity and holiness they're not words for kind of everyday life, are they? They're kind of very spiritual or religious terms, and yet we know can know the reality of a pure heart because we've been forgiven. Um, And we can go on being forgiven. And so if we have, you know, if we come across something in our life and God chose us and we think, you know, that's not a pure motivation. um, Or we've been thinking impure thoughts or, I don't know, doing something wrong. Then that can all be put right through the Holy Spirit working in us and keeping that, that purity and that holiness. Um, I've got down here, goodness is holiness put into practice and results from knowing God. Once you have this knowledge, goodness is supernaturally produced in you. And if you'd like to just have a look at 2 Peter chapter 2. I love this passage, uh, starting with verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So, God's got everything that we need. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm off into a uh, 2 Peter chapter one verse three. So his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So when we're tempted to think that we haven't got it, we can say, I haven't got it, but God's got everything I need for life and godliness through knowledge of him. And I think knowledge of him is so crucial because if we're known by him and we have knowledge of him, that means that our relationship with him is developing and it's the same kind of knock-on effect, you know what will please him and what won't please him. Um, I'll just read the rest of this bit because, because it's so good. Right, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, that divine nature, we can participate in the divine nature through the glory and goodness of Jesus. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we seek to add those things into our life, we're going to grow more in the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus says that we're to carry his light and we're to let our light shine. And I think with um, giving ourselves to allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow in our life, that's a way of letting our life sh- light shine, isn't it? Now, I've just got a couple of points at the end here, really, just to kind of. They're, they're, quest- they're comments and questions, really. Um, all those that are truly led by the Spirit of God will produce the quality of goodness. And I've got a, a reference here in Matthew 12, verse 33. make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognised by its fruit. (coughs) I thought sums it up, that's great that is make a tree good and it produces good fruit. If you've been made good through the salvation of Jesus then you're going to produce good fruit. So We need to make sure that we're in that soil growing. If we think about Barnabas and Dorcas, who were described as good people, they did come perhaps things that were beyond what was expected. Dave encouraged us the other week to um, acts of kindness, didn't he? In Romans chapter 15... I told you there was a little bit of flicking about. Uh, Paul writes in verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Now, would Paul write that about us? That's just something for us to think about. Um, I've already said that allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us to produce the fruit will keep us from being ineffective. And I just want to ask you about the quality of your relationship with Jesus and whether you can invest more in that so that you are you know him more and you're known by him more. And I want to finish... Um, by reading you a passage out of Titus. Now, Titus is probably not a book that, I don't know, I don't go to Titus very often, but I found this and I thought, oh yes, I'm going to finish with this. This is Titus uh, chapter three. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Let's just pray. You are good, Lord, and your love endures forever. Mm -hmm. You are good, Lord. We thank you for your love and your generosity and your mercy that, Lord, led you to give your son to win us into your family. Lord, you've spoken to us so much this morning, and, Lord, I pray that as we talk with you and meet with you that Lord you would refresh us with your Holy Spirit that Lord you would cause that good fruit to grow that Lord we would be full of your goodness that Lord we would be attractive to others because of your goodness in us and that Lord we would lead people towards salvation and repentance towards a life with you Lord, we thank you for your blessing. We ask you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, to help us to do good to those that hate us. To help us, Lord, to do good to one another. Lord, help us in every aspect of our life to be that full fruit, full of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's the end of um, our time together. We have got tea and coffee behind the hatch today. Um, If there's anybody who wants to talk about anything or be prayed for, don't hang back from asking.
2: And I just want to thank you, Sue, for that. Um, One other reminder is that uh, it'd be great to see all of you Wednesday evening, um, our prayer time. Uh, church house at eight o'clock if there's anybody here who'd like to be prayed for I felt that prompting at the end of our time for healing of any kind or uh, if you'd like to be prayed for just uh, want to leave that open to you if you want to come and see me afterwards happily come and pray Um, also uh, just to say that uh, next month of course in August we'll be looking at faithfulness together okay Yes, I've made a mistake. Rachel asked me before, and I forgot. Rachel just wanted to uh, to say a, cu- a couple of things to us. So, if you could just bear with me, it won't take long. She just wanted to say uh, a few words to us. Hang on. I'll need this. I'll hold it for you.
1: Notice of thanks, my dear brothers and sisters. I wish to, to thank you from the bottom of my heart. On behalf of my, on behalf of myself and my sisters, for all the kindness which you have shown to me for my recent be vivre, Losing my brother's mother's La Rose, at the end of May was a devastating blow, and there, and then to lose my mother Louise LaRose last week just broke my heart. Yet I know that both of them are now safe in the Lord's hands and will live forever in the kingdom of God, as well in, as well in the hearts of those who knew and loved them. The flowers and the cards which you, which you sent to me were so beautiful that I cried when, when I was putting them in the vase. My, sisters, my sister Mary and Joyce were also overjoyed at the care and consideration you have shown to us at this very difficult and sad time of our family. The Lord will repeat you all tenfold for all you have done, and Mary, Joyce and myself wish you to all that we really appreciate your support and prayers. And to let you know by my sharing of our burden of Bill Braverman, with us, you have helped ease the pain we are suffering. I wanted to make this testimony to all, to all at the church, so that you would know just much, how much, how much my church people means to me, and also to let everybody know that nobody is alone here amongst our brothers and sisters. And there will always be love and prayers in abundance of all. In particular, I would would also like to thank the pastor for his continued caring support